Who do we want to do about that dog? Hi, and welcome to What's Best for Kids, the podcast that digs deep into what educators wish parents knew about education and what parents wish educators knew about parenting. I'm your host, Rob Copo. I'm the parent of two kids who went to public school, and I've been in public education for more than 25 years as a teacher, coach, and administrator. I'm currently the principal of Torrey Pines High School in San Diego, California, and every day I ask myself, what's best for kids? On today's show, I'm going to talk with Don Collins about school culture and climate and the impact both have on student learning. Don, welcome back to the podcast. This is your third, I believe now. That's right. Today's topic is something you pitched me several weeks ago, and I love the idea. So um, considering it's right before the holidays, it just seemed like a a good topic to hit when everyone's sort of thinking about being appreciative and family and all that sort of thing. So why don't you just jump right in and uh, tell me what you would talk to me about? Well, um, as people have still experienced the COVID virus, um, I, uh, I had some friends whose uh, sons, my sons are friends with his son, they, the whole house got hit and, uh, I was offered to bring over some groceries. Um, the, uh, his mother was particularly down and of course being responsible usually for the food. She was super, super appreciative. And it reminded me of a time that I had brought over soup a year before with a family that had gotten hit, but it also mostly reminded me of when I had hip surgeries five years ago at Torrey Pines when my boys were eight months old, I had both hips replaced within six week period. I was down for uh, eight weeks and um, the meal train that was organized was a lifesaver. I just, it was unbelievable to have um, this continual, not just, it was, it was about the food, but it was also just about the support and knowing this incredible um, array of love and kindness that came from uh, 30, 40, 50 staff members. Uh, and often the, the meals came with cards. Um, the whole thing was organized without my involvement. And, uh, it just was an unbelievable kindness that still, um, it stays with me. You know, it's been five or six years now. And, uh, and, and I thought, and, and so when I dropped off that soup, I was thinking about uh, our staff and what had happened there. And also the staffs that I've been at at other schools, and how that family atmosphere not only changed the culture, but also changed the climate, not just on the campus, but in every single classroom. And then I started thinking all of the different ways that uh, staff members contribute to that family environment. And that, uh, um, and, and it just started to um, cascade and, and avalanche on my brain, which is why I called you and said, we need to do this. Well, I was really happy you called because I I'd been thinking about what I was going to do right before the holidays. Like what, what was the way we could kind of pick everybody up a little bit? And, uh, cause we hit a lot of, let's be honest, tough topics on this and we don't always have answers. We're just right. here to discuss it. So I was happy you were talking about a family culture, but it's something that has always made me a little, um, I, I guess uncomfortable or inadequate. When I think about trying to build a family culture at a school with 150 employees, right, and it and it and it's one of those things that, ha- having done seminars um, on social emotional topics and and classroom management styles and 
uh, often people will come in that this is too touchy feely or this is too uh, this this isn't meat and potatoes enough. This isn't about curriculum. This isn't about student learning. And the fact is, there is nothing more uh, impactful than an environment. And this is research proven. It's not it's not like oh I'm saying this. Is you can find tons of research about the climate of the classroom directly affecting a kid's willingness to take a risk, a kid's willingness to put in extra effort, a kid's willingness to do the extra project or to not make fun of other kids in the classroom or to be supportive rather than derogatory. I mean, there's a million different ways this translates. And when teachers are happier and staff members are happier, things move more quickly, things move uh, with with more effectiveness. It just, it, it, it infiltrates and positively impacts every single aspect of learning on campus. And it's done by, it's, it's one of these, uh, I don't know, I'll call it pointillism or an impressionist where it's a thousand tiny strokes. It isn't one big, broad, broad, Baroquean brushstroke. How'd you like that? Baroquean brushstroke. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. Gives on that band name. <laughs> we are the Baroquean brushstrokes. We'll be here all week. Try the veal. Um, don't try the veal. Don't listen <laughs> Please don't try the veal. <laughs> Is this going to get cut or stay? No, this is staying in for sure. <laughs> this is why people listen to our episodes. I'm sorry for those <laughs> to hear us get off topic. <laughs> Let me bird walk that back to the, mm. you know, again, tiny brushstrokes. You're talking about a thousand different ways that individuals can bring their own creativity, their own investment involvement, um, which was also translated, you know, to go back to those that meal train. I had people uh, send gift cards, you know, 50 bucks to, to, to restaurants. I had people bake chicken and broccoli. It was like like the super ultimate homemade meat and potatoes kind of meal. Uh, John Tater, who I'm going to name, <laughs> gave me one of the most amazing, delicious smoothies because at the time he was he was um, what do you call it when you blend everything. He was on a totally blended diet. Juice diet? It was a juice diet. So, but this, this juice had like, not only was it like green and wheatgrass, but there were um, cashews. I mean, it was like everything. It was the kitchen sink smoothie that, and it was big enough for two meals. So what's the point? The point is it wasn't like delivered the same meal every time. It was the variety that made it so amazing. And and also everyone's personal touches. What uh, um, Jory put together this make uh, a, a, a coconut Thai soup um, with the ingredients, but it wasn't together. So, you know, that would be fresh and it was all easily put together. But I believe in the culinary world, they call that deconstruct. <laughs> <laughs> And if you could do me a favor, if your chair could be more squeaky, that'd be awesome. Yeah, there it is. Um, again, that was the meal train. When you're talking about a campus environment that creates a culture of of, of uh, support and kindness and investment in one another in this. And again, I know that some people came from very uh, um, problematic families and they don't want to create that family atmosphere. So when I, you know, when we use the term family atmosphere, it's a positive, supportive place where you're heard and respected. And, 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 and what happens in that environment, when you create that condition, trust grows. And that's where the efficiency and effectiveness increases because people are more willing to uh, help, whether that's counselors needing kids sent to, to support what they're doing or uh, the pals are going to bring kids through your room and volunteer. Anytime you need somebody to volunteer and go out of their way, um, 
if someone if you have a relationship, those things happen much smoother and easier with more involvement. And that's where and 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 we were talking about this earlier when my father passed away. This gets really personal. It's hard to talk about it's kind of the point. Podcasting without getting personal. When my father passed away, actually seven years ago last weekend, um he died of a heart attack. And my mom had called at nine in the morning. I was in I was at school. Um and immediately uh the assistant principal came when I called him for for help because I needed to go get on an airplane and and all of that. But that his the fact that his father had also passed away the year before, he came to me with an understanding and a and a compassion and an empathy that wasn't just about keeping the class going, but also with with um from the moment I heard, I wasn't left in grief alone. And um and it and it affected me in the best way, given the worst circumstance. And I think that that kind of environment, all the staff feels that. And that, and I I'm consciously talking about the staff because whether it's administrative assistants or or custodials or I mean all the people. Um, so that's where the idea came from. And I think um, <clears throat> talking about the benefit, it isn't just about having happier. Um, workers or happier uh, staff members, those connections about trust and shared interest and, and, and shared events translates to major, better productive um, results. Um, so the question is, how do we create that? What, what, what does the staff do? What do administrators do? What do parents do? And that's really what this podcast is aiming at, especially at the holidays, because um, this is not a slap it on the side at it. it this is a come grow from the inside and develop so um if you're listening to this and you're a teacher an educator um you always want to start small um if you're a parent and you want to get involved you want to start small you don't want, and nobody needs to be overwhelmed particularly during the holidays because they're shopping and meals and travel and all the things that happen no but i think your point's spot on i got a you know couple of things i want to jump in on but I think most importantly, like you're saying, we we hear all the time that at least I've been in a hundred interviews where one of the answers is always uh, about building relationships, especially in uh, when you go to be an administrator. That's a big thing. Make sure you emphasize building relationships. And I've sat through a number of those interviews and thought, I'm not sure this person knows what that really means to build a relationship right. on campus. And very often it it means either just, just being visible or being uh, present or trying to make connections to get to the next level. And when you're talking about is building really deep relationships uh, to create a familial sense on campus at a large, uh, you know, campus. And, you know, when you originally brought this up, I'm like, you hear this all the time. Um, you know, we're really like a family, like every sitcom says that at the end of their run, you know, we're really like a family here. And I'm like, what? So you quietly resent each other and dread the holidays? Like, like, what does it mean to say we're, we're like a family? And I think, and you articulated that when you were texting me about it, when you talked about the meal train, when you had uh, your hip replacement, for example. Yep. And the emails went around and I can certainly tell, tell you when I lost my dad, um, the outpouring of support from the staff was really mind blowing. Yes. And it's one of the incredible uh, benefits of this career is, uh, you know, as, as I was thinking about this again, how do you create a, a connection with 150 people 
that would be the most insane Thanksgiving you've ever seen, you know, if it was really a family. But when things get tough, like it did during COVID, or yep. when I lost my dad, you lost your dad, uh, and people rally because they've been through it, or they're they're either sympathetic or empathetic, and there is that deep connection you have being involved in uh, education, very similar to being in the arts. And, and um, are, are there any more planes that you can get? Just every ten minutes. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> but you are involved in a in a job and a career that is closely tied to kids. Yep. So there's a lot of emotion and connection there. Um, there's a lot of emotion and connection in writing what goes on in the world that we have to deal with and then have to address students on, whether it's, you know, uh, tragedy or politics or, or um, you know, extreme weather events, whatever it might be that we s suddenly have to confront. And so it's more than just chemistry. Right. And I also think that when people talk about relationship, in this, obviously relationships are important. I mean, it's primary. It's a, the, the nature of society. Laws are based in politics and uh, uh, there's identification. But in the end, relationships are built on basically four things. Every relationship, you and your dentist, you and your CPA, your neighbor, your, your husband or wife, or your kid, every single relationship boils down to four simple things. The strength of the respect, the strength of the trust, the strength of the communication, and the strength of the shared interest that you have between you. I played racquetball with five guys for years, and we met Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 to 4.30, and all we did was play racquetball. That's, they played racquetball, I played racquetball, we were available at 3.30, and that's when we did it. And over the course of those years, I ended up having one of the guys help me with uh, investments. He was a, a, a investment guy. Things started to spread from that, but the primary relationship started just with the shared interest, and that was the strongest thing. But because people respected each other's time, the the, the trust and respect grew, and uh, and just relationships bloomed out of that. <clears throat> I think that again, when you're talking about how do you, and you were talking about the 150 staff members. The, the, the research suggests that humans are really able to have major close relationships with 50 people. Beyond that, you can't really do it. Um, you can have associations and you can certainly have relationships, but those primary, you know, super close people, it's about 50 for humans. And, um, and, and when you get into that larger picture, that's where you may have to break down, especially if you're... Um, environment if your school culture is not one of being really trusting and respecting maybe you start with your hallway or maybe you start with your department or maybe you start with you know five people that are the new teachers or whoever you can get to start maybe you start you and one other person start or may, and maybe you just start alone and what i mean by that is uh, and this gets into the into the how right i mean we talked right. about the why and you yeah. always want to start with the why why because the best way to improve connections, improve learning outcomes in classrooms is to have kids that feel safe and supported and, and, and teachers that understand the curriculum, but also understand that relationship piece. And when a teacher is affected by the school culture, the kids get affected the same way and even more so possibly. So I started to think about all the different ways that relationships get built on Torrey Pines. For example, certainly, and it was different than Sunset. When I taught at a, a continuation school with just a staff of twenty, just during the holidays, we had in one week we had four different four different holiday parties. 
We had a white, a white elephant thing during the week uh, after school. Um, we had two different happy hour dinner things. And then we had a weekend dinner party within a span of five days. And most people would think, well, I, who would want to spend all that extra time? We look forward to getting together because we, yeah. we, we respected each other. And nobody had, it was 20 completely different personality types, much like a family. Right. And uh, which made it so interesting. That's the dog. <laughs> and that's my chair. So it's, it's so what, what, do, what, it, what does it mean to, to create the environment? Well, it can be things like participating in Halloween. Um, and doing a Halloween costume and having a simple competition and then maybe do, having someone uh, do. Um, so, uh, for example, there was uh, one of the staff members was talking with another person about uh, the Super Bowl and the chili they made. And then it kind of got into a friendly competition. And then that grew into a school-wide competition. And just at that first chili cook-off, which was created really by a conversation over lunch between two people, uh, there were 25 entrants, 25 crock pots. The entire staff came out to the to to, to try all them all. I mean, it was an incredible bonding, fun. Uh, and then the next year, the trophy got bigger. The you know it just grew, um, and it was a simple discussion between two people that turned into a really great yearly annual event. Um, and the math department created the the pie day, which was a which is still controversial to this day. Because because a cobbler one, which is not a pie, <laughs> Deborah brought in. The, it's a cobbler, but there were people that brought it's in cookies. Not a pie. <laughs> it's I did question pie day. Well, there were not there were cobbler. It day. turned into baked goods day because there were cookies and pumpkin On bread. Pie day. See why it's controversial. <laughs> It wasn't controversial to me because I don't, I'm not a baker. I'm a chili guy. So I <laughs> love the fact that I got to eat banana bread and cobbler, which was quite delicious and might have one got my vote. But, you know, when you have a department, take something, run with it, create something fun. It, it just, and, and in that case, it involved the whole school and also uh, it affected, Im impacted in a positive way, the whole school. Over and over, month after month, there's something special to look forward to. And so as a staff member, um, it can be creating something that grows from a department or between a, from a hallway. Um, there's There are always those school-wide uh, kid-generated things like the door decorating that um, some teachers participate and some don't right? Challenge day. We need teachers to do it. It's one thing if you do it. It's another thing if you do it in lip sync or if you do it and volunteer, you know, like how full can you go all the way in and sit all the way down in, in with your staff, you know? Yeah. So as a, and that doesn't mean to, again, add this burden onto yourself, no different than during the holidays. You don't want to feel like you're responsible for doing the entire meal and not have people bring stuff over. Everyone brings something over in order to lighten the burden. So, well, isn't that kind of the point? Like you're talking about like, like the, the, the food train, uh, right. and it's to take the burden off somebody else. It's one meal that I have to cook, right? But it's one of 15. You don't have to cook Correct. while you're recovering. And I, we lost a lot of that, uh, during the pandemic. Yep. And I remember, and, and I'm, and yet we're missing a piece of what we built during the pandemic. The, the weirdest thing for me was when we got to the pandemic and we're all talking about losing connection, losing connection, losing connection. 
and I moved my, I used to do a, or I still do a, uh, what's called the Friday follow-up, uh, yep. an email. And I send everybody an update and try to give something, you know, funny or insightful or something else in it just to connect us all to whatever's going on in the world. And we moved those to a live virtual meeting on Friday because we had adjusted the bell schedule. So we had this yep. hour in the morning. So it was a staff meeting every Friday. And everybody and, was on Zoom and already connected and familiar. Right. So it was nothing to, to show up. And I mean, it wasn't an additional thing to do. Well, it was for me. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> we'll be for the rest of right. us, <laughs> you know, I had to prep for that. Thank you very much, Donald. <laughs> I had to wake um, up. Right. I didn't have to shower though. And yeah, because I was, you know, we were back on site or I, I was back on site at the time and, and had to, and I dreaded them. I'll, I will admit that right now. I was like, this is going to be like pulling teeth every Friday because it's going to be a nonstop. Uh, dartboard session of here's what's wrong. Here's what we don't have, Rob. What are we doing? And questions I couldn't answer. And by the fourth one, yep. when we started putting in music and making sure it was the quote, and then uh, um, the personality started coming out, it became something we all looked forward Everybody. to. Like I couldn't wait for Friday follow-up because it was so emotionally satisfying and it was a virtual meeting. Yeah, and It was a way to get 150 of us together in one spot doing something collectively, albeit virtual, but it made such a huge difference and we don't have them now. I have a what's up Wednesday four or five times a year and it's a virtual meeting. We've tried to keep that vibe. Mm -mm. It just does not work the same way because it had a lot to do with what was going on with us at the time. People were thirsty. I remember myself being thirsty for connection outside of my family. You know, I certainly had a lot of family time, which was beautiful. But beyond that, it was like, to be able to see everyone, to see how they were handling things, to uh, just the humor, you know, the little jokes. And I was growing my beard and the comments about that. We... Right. <laughs> that beard was epic. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> Terrifying, uncomfortable, or a couple other words that come to mind. <laughs> and it fitted perfectly. I felt for Anthony. What about my October Halloween? Co- maybe the best Halloween costume I ever had. Castaway. Yes, Tom let, Hanks. Let's definitely talk about a costume that nobody can see on a podcast. <laughs> I sent a picture to everyone. Again, this is like radio, Dawn. I want to remind Well, imagine you. Tom Hanks with Wilson perfectly done. And then you have me. Yes, it was a very long beard <laughs> and a t-shirt that looked like he was Disturbing. not wearing a shirt. Uh, it was uncomfortable. Maybe yeah. we could put that picture. We got up. phone calls. <laughs> Yeah, we got phone calls. I'm still cleaning up those emails. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you need my picture from the Castaway Halloween costume to start your Halloween costume contest, you could do that. But See, now if we had a website for this podcast, we'd be able to say, you know, go to the website, oh. check the pictures. That would be funny. So I'll, uh, I'll work with my producer that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> to see if he and or she can do that. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you could have one of your interns build a website. Yeah, also known as Nick and Charlotte, my kids. So, uh, All right, so back to the connection. So I think one of the things you talked about earlier that I want to jump in on is we've done a lot of great staff connections. So this is a nice way of us patting ourselves on the back about some of the great things we've done. But I think what gets missed in that a lot when it comes to staff connection, like we're getting the sunshine committee back together at Tory this year. And it's been really fun to see the bocce ball tournament was going on this year. And the the kids are looking at us like we're crazy as, as the adults are out there throwing balls on the grass. I'm like, what the heck's going on? This was, so the sunshine committee, what we were doing prior to the castaway, uh, amazing uh, costume that I did. Yeah. We were talking about ways staff members could, start creating the culture 
because it is a slow build. It's not, it's not a immediate, you, you don't take a ship and just do a 90 degree or 180 flip around. It's not happening. It's a small turn. And again, the thousand little brushstrokes is what creates the, the, the bigger picture. Um, the Halloween costume is one thing. The Sunshine Committee, where you you know you have ten or twelve people that are involved in creating happy, monthly happy hour events um, and other things like the bocce ball tournament. It can be something so sim- simple and and silly. And at the same time, when you bring people together, it's not silly. Even any kind of staff lunch that we had, even in, and I and I, it was always frustrating because it was a half an hour where you're finally talking to other adults. Yeah, they always go too fast. The food's always way better, and I always want to have you know more of all of it. But um, it 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 remind it just it satiates the adult interaction and develops that trust and 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 gives you gives you a chance to catch up, especially if you show up late and sit at a table with people that you wouldn't normally sit with, and now all of a sudden you're talking to the theater department or the science department or whatever it is, and um, that translates to people being more willing to get involved, to trust, to pick up slack, to volunteer. And it, and it changes, you know, the culture is what we do at a school and the climate is how we feel about it. And it not only affects the culture, it really affects the climate for For both the staff and the students. Yeah. I learned that the, uh, I don't guess I don't want to say the hard way, but in a great way, I, uh, I was in year two of teaching and had already started working on what's called WASC. And I won't bore everybody at home with the WASC process, but it's how schools are accredited. And they asked me to be a a part of this. And so I got connected with some veteran social science teachers and I was teaching video production at the time. So technically I was in the visual performing arts department, but in VPA, you're very compartmentalized Mm -hmm. because it's theater and dance and music. And those are all separate departments in themselves. And so teaching video is the same thing. Nobody really knew what I was doing or how to do it. So I felt uh, pretty isolated. So I would work through lunch. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep working. Kids will be in my room. It'll be great. And you second year teacher stuff, you know? Yep. And then this veteran teacher, uh, I will go ahead and call him out because I know he's not listening to a podcast because <laughs> he's a veteran teacher retired a few years ago. His name's Dana Ernest. So Dana walked over to my classroom. He opens the door. He goes, come with me. I'm like, okay. And I assume it's a meeting. We got to go someplace. I, I dutifully follow him. And he goes, bring your lunch. I'm like, oh, we're really going to work. Work and lunch. Okay, great. And he takes me over to room 408, which was their lunch room. It was this workroom between uh, classrooms and the social science department. He goes, sit down. You're having lunch with us every day. Wow. Meet me here. Yep. I said, oh, okay. And I, Game I've never since had a lunchroom except for the closest I've ever had to that experience with uh, connecting with colleagues during uh, that sort of off time away from the students was after the Friday follow-up virtual meetings, we would have uh, what we called admin SEL time and we would get breakfast burritos. So right after the meeting with the whole staff during COVID, we'd all have breakfast burritos and decompress and just talk about the week and talk about what we need to do and how it went with the meeting, you know, because we were worried about our staff, we were worried about our students and it was just a great connection time and we've tried to keep it uh, as an admin time because we don't typically get lunches and because we're out working lunch Um, and we found a chance to protect that and one of uh, uh, my APs Robbie Shockney who's also been on the podcast um, is so protective of it he won't let us not do it and I always find a way to try to get out of it and every single time I do I go he's right we got to keep this up and and that and it also takes somebody like Robbie committed to maintaining it happening now 
when you were talking about the lunches, it reminded me for a dozen years, we would sit, there is a, basically a closet. It's like a large, it isn't three feet by five feet uh, where we had the microwave and the fridge, but it was the only place on campus for the staff to get away from the students. So at lunchtime, we would cram 15 people, you know, easily 10, but maybe 15 even. And we would all stand in this U-shaped, small, tiny area next to the copier away from the students. And it was a 20 minute, the room got hot. I would microwave tuna in order to welcome everyone. <laughs> and the best part was because it was Are you so a crazy tight. person? <laughs> what? Who microwaves tuna? One, one time I accidentally microwaved, before the before it happened, I accidentally put a cookie on for 40 minutes. Okay. Do you know, if there are any and fire, fire marshals a, listening, Don Collins did this, not me. Oh, which reminds me that um, I actually got a, I was, got a note from the superintendent because when the fire department. Yeah, because you were microwaving tuna. No, because I had That's against so many, Ed Code. I'm I pretty sure. So I'm going to look many, up Ed Code right now. I had so many layers of student work stapled to my wall that the fire department came and said that it was a, my room was a fire hazard and that they actually went to the superintendent. And that's a true story. So the room you had before you left, that was a fixed version of this? Because, again, I wish we had pictures on a website of that. Well, I do have a picture for your website of all of us in the, in the break room, which, again, is really a broom closet. But uh, the best part was nobody could escape my fork. So whatever anybody brought, everybody shared. And anyone that wanted my microwave. You microwave, microwave tuna. <laughs> so everybody immediately shared the smell. <laughs> well, that was intentional. And then if you wanted some, you could use your fork. So and you're ahead. that guy. You're the salmon and broccoli in the microwave <laughs> and the lunchroom guy who walks out. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. sorry. It's only the third time this week, but sorry. <laughs> sorry about it. Yeah. Oh. Really like trying I to burned, cut down for the holidays, you know. That, I caught that cookie on fire because I put it on and I totally forgot. I went to the copier and uh, the secretary, Lucy, uh, called me down and handed me my flaming cookie. Dibs on that band name. <laughs> flaming cookie. <Yeah>. Okay. let's. <laughs> We're going to move on. So then the question is. Are we? I think we have to. because no, Of course we are. Um. <sighs> Oh, so well, let me get to one of the things that I really want to hit <laughs> Bird I don't know, like an hour and a half ago when you brought it up. Um, <clears throat> and that is, I think what's missed a lot of times in this connection, like I said, we've talked a lot about the connection yep. and you've talked about the why. And I don't know that, you know, the public always knows why that piece is so important because sometimes we look at it as a, um, as a business tactic. Like, well, well we know if, you know, where we get people together for lunches and all that, it works. And, but a lot of people look at a school and say, well, is it going to raise achievement? And you were talking to me about uh, this earlier with the impact when you've got a happy teacher right. in a classroom, it's naturally going to make that classroom environment or climate yep. better for the students. The teacher's now more motivated. Yep. The students, the second they walk into any classroom, they know the weather of that teacher yep. and know what the day is going to be like. And yep. if that teacher's having a rough day, not a lot of learning is going to happen. That's right. And so it's important to have these connection pieces, not just because obviously for the social emotional health of our teachers who are working with teenagers every day, which is not easy. Right. Um, but specifically 
it's what's best for kids. It directly translates to the classroom. And I would say most of all, in it, it translates in kids willing to take a risk. Kids, because yes, yes. the kids trust the teacher. They're more willing to ask for help on a math problem. They're more willing to go to the board and try their Spanish. They're more willing to, you know, do some new edit on a video. I mean, in every way, shape and form, they're more willing to ask for help or be vulnerable because... Uh, they know that the teacher is in a good mood or happy. And 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 it, it it isn't just like, oh, I wore a Halloween costume yesterday. I'm happy. It's like, this is a place I want to be. And and anybody that's worked, I mean, I've, I've had jobs where I love going to work. I love teaching and I love going to work. I've also had jobs in, in, in the private industry where I loved it. And then I really didn't because I got a new boss or I got a new whatever. Um, and in, in talking about the private sector, my husband does um, is a high level marketing uh leasing company, what have you, but they've got a team of 25. Uh, they're all virtual, so they don't see each other. So once a month they have a get together and there's only now nearly half of the department, the marketing department is in San Diego. Other people are Temecula or all over the country. The point is that he ended up spending $500 for breakfast for 15 people. And he didn't rent anything because he brought our tables, our chairs, our, you know, and he did it. It was beautiful. He does a great job. Big spread, fruit, breakfast, burritos, pastries with coffee. But, you know, I've never seen an educational event where we got $30 per person, you know, because uh, that isn't necessary. What's necessary is time together with something to share and 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 be silly about whether that's a costume or a chili competition or a pie bake off or and it, it doesn't even have to have that kind of and you know it could just be um gosh i mean it it, it starts with people like your social studies pulling somebody aside mm -hmm. and saying come have lunch with us but that that is he did that because he saw you weren't connected to the vibe of the school, right? right? Cause you were new. That's exactly. And right. that's what happens when you have the culture that is inclusive and, and, and supportive. And that's definitely going to translate to you feeling more inclusive and supportive with your students in your classroom. So the, then the question is, you know, we've seen a lot of examples of the staff and it could be have lunch, you know, pull one person in your department or one person in your hallway and have lunch with them. And, and I know for myself, uh, I invited lots of people to lunch. So we'd have sometimes have special guest stars, but we had a kind of a core group and, and it was open to more people. And uh, some people showed up and stayed and other people just didn't understand the value of it. And speaking of the value of it, I, the kids pick up on it. Yep. Even when it's, when it's outside the classroom, like the bocce ball tournament, for example, yep. or I will give you a great example. Uh, recently we had a rally and more than 40 teachers volunteered to be in the teacher skit in the rally. Yep. I don't know when the last time we had a teacher skit in the rally, number one, and number two, to have 40 teachers give up their lunches to go dress in silly costumes and parade in front of the teenagers and in, in front of the students. It was a, an amazing moment for the school. And it was so nice to see. And they, they pick up that vibe yep. throughout campus. And again, with 150 people, I'm not saying everybody's got to go be having lunch with somebody and we've got to volunteer. Right. I get it. We've all got our own things going on, but you kind of build that umbrella, build uh, enough people into it, then more people kind of want to get, or it shifts. Yep. If it's 50, 60 people and it shifts around to a different 50, 60 people every so often, now you're hitting the 150 and making a huge difference. But I'm telling you, the kids feel it every single day when they're on campus because they can feel 
the climate, as you're talking about, how people feel, they know it when they walk on a campus. I was also thinking individually, you know, um, we had a math department or a math, uh, math teacher that had a 3D, uh, a 3D class, 3D math class, 3D modeling, and would come around and pass out little 3D things that she had made with her printer. Uh, she had given me a couple gifts, but I saw, and when I would go into the other classrooms, I would see some of the things that they had, that, that she had brought to other teachers. Yeah. And it was like being in a little club because we knew, but it, it could be. Are you talking about Abby? <laughs> I might be. Yes, I might be talking about. Please, everybody, look up Abby Brown on Twitter. She does a lot of 3D printing because she just did an amazing thing for Yellow Ribbon Week, made these keychains. Yep. With words on it. They were incredible. And she, yeah. So, and that's her thing. If you asked me to go 3D print stuff, I'd have to look it up and it'd be a burden and it would suck for me. But it's her it's her jam and she yeah. loves it and she and she spreads that love. I mean, the things she actually printed were little cardinal and gold hearts. You know, and, and 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 she also made a TP Inspire thing for me that I had on my wall. So, you know, again, that's that's the part as a staff member. Anything that you could do that's of interest. If you like, you know, model cars, then maybe you deliver little model cars and everyone's staff. And you don't have to do it every week or every month. You don't even have to do it just once a year. If you do, if everybody mm -hmm. did one thing and you had 150 people, you'd have something nearly every school day. Because the important thing is when the staff wants to be there, when teachers want to be there, the kids want to be there. Yep. And when the kids want to be there, they learn and they become better people. And they're supporting each other rather than ripping each other down. And it, it, the whole, you know, this is why, you know, again, having been on the receiving end of such kindness, uh, it just reminded me and inspired me to try to do the same thing for other people when they, when I could, you know, and I, I don't have to do it for everybody, but when, it, when it's, when it, when I can and it fits and it, it, uh, you know, it just, I, I just thought about how valuable it was to the campus, to the teachers, to and the, the impact it had on the students and, and, and especially our foundation. You know, I got a note actually today uh, from Zephyr that challenge day is completely full. There's a yep. growing wait list. And she sent me an email that apparently the email she sent out to everybody said, Don Collins would be proud. And I am way to go. Zeph. Um, she did say that. I got that email. <laughs> Are you? Was that for me or confirm. was that for me or for all your listeners <laughs> to say that I'm not a liar? Mostly for the listeners. Yeah, mostly for the listeners. So, um, you know, as a parent, if you're thinking, I have received beautiful emails, beautiful gifts from parents individually, which really obviously impact me. And any teacher that receives a nice email or a card or support that way, um, and I know as a as a as a as a parent, I've uh, come holidays, I make a point to send my my kids' teachers uh, Amazon cards because I'm so appreciative of. Uh, I mean, my kids are with those teachers eight hours a day, you yeah. know, and yeah. and they're having it, and the kids come home happy and they love going to school, and it's like, gosh, I, I'm just so grateful. So I know that I've. And, and as a teacher without kids for so long, I got the emails and appreciated, but now I understand what the parents meant, you know, yeah. how much that, you know, there's nothing more important than our kids. Um, but as, and I also think about the parent involvement in our foundation, whether that's involvement through support of the mini grants and enabling science to buy microscopes and to, uh, teachers to get all the things and supplies we need, um, so there's that monetary support. There's the the the, the raffles and the and the different fundraisers. But there's also those meals and the parents that come and support um, uh, 
the, the different events that we have. It, it's just a million different ways that t parents can get involved. And if you, um, if there isn't a place at your school to get involved, create it. You know, I know that at the elementary school where our kids are going to be going next, they uh, there was one parent who was into gardening and she created uh, a gardening she created a garden first and then created a, 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 a it, it grew to now it's that there's a full curriculum because right. there was another teacher that also loved to garden. And once that started, it grew into having this whole gardening curriculum and every kid on campus gets the, the you know, it's, it's spread throughout the week, but um, or month, but that all the kids get involved and parents volunteer to be part of that, that garden. And I, I don't want anyone to miss here. This isn't a plea for gift cards for, no, no. for, the, for the teacher. So <laughs> I want to be clear on this right before the holidays. Yeah. Um, hmm, why did he bring up gift cards? That's not what it's about. It's, it's, it really is about, um, as we said, like if you go back to the initial example of the food drain, okay, um, you've got a school that has needs. And um, that one little time that you volunteer to clean up after homecoming yes. makes a huge difference because that means one of the classified employees or the administrators or the teachers who are helping set it up don't have to do all the cleanup for the event that they just planned and put on for your kid. And uh, all those volunteer efforts, all those little things make a huge difference. And, and maybe it is every so often, like we, we get this and I, I want to just blanket thank you to everyone who's ever brought in a box of uh, oh, uh, bagels yep. or cookies or anything like yep. that. Like I cannot tell you what that means to an admin team and teachers in a, in a break room. And I have to say, I just dropped off a giant box of pastries to our to, to the staff at right. our school on Monday because I know, having received it, I can't do a lot, and I know how busy the teachers are. I know how how hectic it is, and so I'm. It's a small way to show gratitude, whether that's dropping off coffee drinks or just do not bring a cobbler on Pi Day. <laughs> I want to be exceptionally <laughs> clear on this point. But again, it's not even about bringing that. That's that's another example. It's about the little things we can do to kind of keep that gratitude train going to keep our schools going because they're asked to do so much yep. uh, these days. The, you know, in, in our, you know, the episode before this, we, we talked about the burden that is now on schools. It yes. used to be about just content and it is no longer just about content. We can't even get to the content because there are so many massive roadblocks in our way between, you know, the kids and the content uh, that we need some help. And those little things that we do along the way to support teachers, to support schools, um, like I said, a box of bagels or, or volunteering at something makes a huge difference. And, and I, I, when you brought that up, I, I was thinking about how at the start of the year, when I started teaching 25 years ago, we had a one hour bloodborne pathogen um, in service by the, the district nurse or health support care worker. And when I finished 25 years, you know, last year, the pre-service, there was now, um, I mean, there were four or five modules that are now online delivered. And the problem with online delivery is that the, the, the um, state board of education, I mean, uh, the, the state legislatures can, because the, the cost of it is so cheap to, to, for the software, this is my own personal thought, that they're able to mandate additional things and deliver that 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 instruction for the teachers or the staff members uh um without a lot of cost and so they just keep increasing it without thinking about the demand on the teacher they don't give us an extra day for the now six hours of right. of in-service that we have to watch on our own 
Um, and, and it's important. I'm not saying anyway, one of those things is child trafficking, which is a growing problem. We need to address it. And teachers are on the front line. But that just wasn't in the, the consciousness of education 25 or 30 or 50 years ago. You know, um, and it, it's 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 good that it is. It's valuable. And we certainly want, you know, uh, uh, to be able to identify and report abuse or what have you. But but there are just additional demands that just weren't there. You know, and that's just one example of, yeah. one of, of what we're talking about. Um, what about, we've talked about parent involvement. And, and again, when, when I brought up, the, for me personally, and you could tell by the 25 binders full of notes that I have from each year. Show off. I, <laughs> well, that's it, a flex. <laughs> I'm not saying as a flex. I'm saying it because I kept every single one. I have every card, every email, every kind, nice thing that anyone's ever said about me collected in binders because I need to read. The, I mean, personally, I called them love. And I got the idea from Michelle Mullen, who was a professor at San Marcos, who left. She was a teacher. Mine fit in my wallet. So <laughs> she said, you're going to have rough days as a teacher. And what I did was when I have the rough days, I go through my love me binder and, and look at those letters and notes of the kids that really uh, appreciated me. Um, and that's where I got the idea. And of course, being the most compulsive, obsessive person on the planet, I it grew and I just never let go of it. Um, but it it is it, the gift cards. Nice. It's the note. It's it's knowing that I had an impact. Um, there's nothing more powerful for me than having a note from a kid saying thank you. It's just the best. It's why the only thing that might be more powerful than that is watching the kid go, aha, I understand. Right. Those are the two reasons people teach. And on that note, Don, I think we do wrap it up. That's a great point to end on is that is why we teach is for that aha moment. Yep. And to create that aha moment, you've got to create connections and it happens in a million tiny ways. Yep. Thank you so much for being on today. That's all for today's episode. I want to thank my guest, Don Collins, for joining me today, and I want to thank you for listening. If you found our conversation thought-provoking and want to know more, I hope you rate and subscribe in whatever app you use for podcasts. But more importantly, I hope you stay curious and keep asking what's best for kids.